This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 469 with Catherine Winter Celery. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 469. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. You get a treat today. You get an interview on a Monday. This has literally never happened in the history of Shameless Mom Academy. Never happened. So here we are, almost 500 episodes in, almost five years in, and we're going to do it. We're going to do an interview on a Monday. So actually, I'm going to do this a couple times in the next month or two because I just have an abundance of amazing interviews in the can, and I don't want to keep them in the vault where you don't get to have access to them. I want to be sharing them. I've just done so many interviews where I'm like, oh, I want to get this one out as fast as possible. So we're releasing a few earlier than previously planned just to get goodies into your hands. So here we go. Just breaking the mold in 2020. I love it. I'm really excited about this conversation. I know that I learned a lot. My eyes were open to a lot of things and I know yours will be too. So here we go. Catherine Winter Celery is the CEO of the Conscious Parenting Revolution and the co-creator of the Guidance Approach to Parenting, a program that applies conflict resolution skills to communicating more effectively with children and adults. Through her workshops, books, and her three TEDx talks, she has taught thousands of parents and educators, social workers, medical professionals, and anyone else needing to converse with five-year-olds or 17-year-olds or even 85-year-olds in a half dozen countries and cultures to minimize misunderstandings and meltdowns and communicate with more collaboration, cooperation, and consideration. Her methods positively influence relationships for generations. She created and chaired the 2019 National Summit on Mental Health and Mental Fitness, a conference on the intersection of science, medicine, faith, and politics and their impacts on the mental wellness that culminated in the nation's largest ever group meditation. Catherine, a trained mediator, is passionate about people's ability to transcend their past trauma, current dysfunction, and ongoing negative self-talk to create more collaborative and supportive environments in their homes, offices, and families. Listen in to hear Catherine share what COVID has been like for her as her third pandemic that she's lived through after living in Hong Kong for 30 years, the significance of the relationship between breathing and emotions, the difference between conscious and unconscious parenting and the impacts of both, why we need to deeply understand that we are the catalyst, not the cause of other people's feelings, why you might want to reconsider your use of rewards and punishments in parenting, how the use of rewards and punishments can lead to retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, why obedience and compliance 
our dangerous goals in parenting, and the truth about self-esteem and where most of us get our self-esteem. This was a really interesting conversation. It's going to require you to do some digging and listening inward, and it's going to challenge some of your beliefs, I think. I'm very excited for you to tune in, and then please do pay attention at the end because Catherine has a generous offer for us for her upcoming Conscious Parenting Revolution group for you to get a discount. So you can use the discount code PODCAST20 when you go to ConsciousParentingRevolution.com slash courses slash ebook. And that will all be linked up in the show notes as well. But I just wanted to get that on your radar now that you can use that discount code podcast 20. If you find that this conversation just lights you up and you want more and you're definitely ready to dig in, you'll want to take advantage of that as well. So with all that said, let's welcome Catherine to the Shameless Mom Academy. Catherine, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much. This is going to be a fun conversation. We are in the middle of the pandemic. I always have to Mm -hmm. clarify that. I mean, at this point, I think it goes without saying, though. So we're recording (laughs) in the pandemic. And what does that look like for you? We were actually just talking a little bit about this in our pre-interview. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, you know, a couple of different things. Just we're really going through so much as a family. And I have older kids that are in different locations. And my son was at a 4th of July thing with his girlfriend and came back to tell me that his girlfriend's sister had been diagnosed COVID positive. Oh, no. So that was like horrifying. He just got tested and the results came yesterday that he's fine. So we had a huge sigh of relief. But there's a lot of anxiety around it. My daughter just graduated from USC and was supposed to go back and start full time at USC working as a lab manager on campus. And everything's up in the air. Yes, yes. (laughs) Lives are on hold. It's up in the air. They're just, it's unprecedented. How about you? All of the above. I mean, my child is seven. So, you know, I can't relate to the university level of things, but the uncertainty, very relatable. Yeah. And like the fatigue around the uncertainty is getting to me. Like I feel I actually just put up a post yesterday on Facebook saying, I feel like I've been pretty good at giving myself pep talks. Like you can do it. You can keep going. It's just a few more weeks. And now I'm like, we're looking at a year. (laughs) Like this is, we are well beyond like anything being a few weeks at any point. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So there's a relentlessness to it that is, I think, starting to get to everyone for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. It's that fact that we just don't know when it's ever going to end. Yeah. I also have a lot of growing curiosity around, like, how will this look in 10 years? Like, how will we look back on this time? What will have come of it? I thought by now we would already know some of that. And I feel like, because I thought we would have a little more closure at this point. So I think that it's going to be really interesting. I'm very curious about like, just, I think there's going to be a lot of things. I'm a sociology major. So as a sociology major and like the study of human behavior and all that, I'm like, there's going to be some really interesting things that come out of this time. So when I try to think positively, I'm like, I'm just curious to see what all of that is. So that'll be very interesting. Yeah, really well. And, you know, we were talking earlier and I've spent the last 30 years in Hong Kong. Which amazing. Yeah, this is our third pandemic. So, you know, I think the other two didn't really hit the United States as much. Mm. So SARS and the bird flu came prior to COVID. So this for me is my third go round. And the other two died out so much more quickly. Yeah. This is the difference between, you know, pandemic one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And because this is for the Far East, not the first go round, there was instantly more immediate, individual, self directed response that had nothing to do with anybody telling them to do anything. People just knew how to take better care of themselves. They just instantly put their face masks on. They instantly started to implement sort of social distancing and washing your hands. And I mean, all of the stuff that we're learning now, the learning curve, of course, is different if you've been through it before. Mm-hmm. As a result, I think there's been a better response. I know Hong Kong's in what they call the third wave right now. And so it's going back to much different situation. I was on a call with, I'm running a course right now. And a lot of the folks in the course are in Hong Kong. I was on a call with them earlier this morning. And a lot of the people have small kids at home again. So they're starting to do what's been going on here forever. Yeah. 
<laughs> so interesting. And I haven't spoken with anyone else who's been through these other two pandemics in that way. And that's such an interesting perspective. And I'm curious if you did you have a little bit of a sense around like, oh, I know what's coming, like when this all started, where the rest of us were like, oh, it's just for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we were actually back in Hong Kong for Christmas. So we were there. And we were actually up in Shanghai at an event. My husband has an office there. So I was right all over the place. I mean, you know, it was pretty hilarious. And we were leaving Hong Kong in February because we thought we wouldn't be able to get out. The airlines had started shutting the flights off. Like most of the airlines weren't flying anymore. United certainly wasn't flying into Hong Kong anymore. Continental stopped all their flights. Cathay Pacific was pretty much one of the only carriers. So we were like, okay. If we don't go now, we may not have the opportunity to go. So we left and came to the U.S. thinking that we were getting ahead of the pandemic. Well, little did we have any idea, honestly, that it would come and turn into what it has in America. I mean, it kind of breaks my heart, to be honest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it just kind of breaks my heart. Yeah, I don't blame you. And you've had this worldview to see how other countries and leaders have handled things. So yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So I mean, anybody out there whose lives have been touched by this, you know, just heartfelt, just, oh, gosh, there's no way to say it in words, right? Right. So I'm going to lighten things a little bit. <laughs> um, so we get to do both. This is the year of paradoxes. Like things are light or are heavy and can be light. Um, so we get to. Yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. So personal, professional life and beyond the bio. Well, I run a conscious parenting revolution. I've been doing that for about, yeah, 20 years, you know, more or less. And I have had the great pleasure to just watch my own skills develop and what I'm able to offer community in terms of being present and being able to support their families in creating ecosystems where children can thrive. And a lot of that has to do with creating ecosystems within parents themselves so that they can thrive. <laughs> mm, oh, my gosh. I want to know more about Tell me about the <laughs> ecosystem that you speak of. Tell me about the ecosystem. Yeah, I want to know more. So a lot of it is, you know, creating bandwidth, right? You would know that. Yeah. And interestingly, I was you know, where the segues between the personal and all the rest of it. I, for me, the big, you know, transition has been from having run workshops in person for decades and transitioning to the online platform, which is something that I guess the whole world is doing right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Los Angeles and had started filming back in October so that I could bring my work um, into this arena and I was actually doing some filming yesterday and I brought someone who's in the area that was actually my meditation teacher and teaches breathwork and meditation. And it was so beautiful to sit with her and six feet apart and do our social distance filming and to listen and remember the connection between the breath and our emotions mm -hmm. and that we know when we are feeling certain things actually if we're aware of ourselves, our rhythm of our breath changes depending on what we're experiencing inside. Mm. So when we're experiencing some kind of anxiety or anger or happiness or sadness, all of these have a different breathing pattern. Have you noticed that? I mean, I wouldn't say I've explicitly noticed it, but that makes a lot of sense. And I do, it's interesting. I catch myself sometimes when I am working and I'm really focused and I'm nervous or anxious about something, I will catch myself getting like cramps in my ribs. And I have started to think that it is because I am really hunched over clenching through my core and not breathing deep enough breaths. And so my guess is that I'm like doing this like shallow nervous breathing and like yeah. just working through uncomfortable emotions or trying to do things as quickly as possible. And it's like a combination of emotion and then like, I don't probably bad posture. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed this routinely, not routinely, but a few times recently. Yeah, where I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I think when I get anxious, and I'm like working frantically, that I like, stop breathing all the way. <laughs> yeah, so interesting that that is something you've become aware of recently. And that 
we're in this conversation because actually how you're feeling has a lot to do with just the simplicity of your breathing. Mm. And you can change your state of mind by breathing. And there's so much work that's been done in the world of breath work and the connection between state of mind and consciousness. And whether we're actually breathing has so much to do with the brain chemistry, the oxygen in the brain. And this is the joy of this is just bringing it up is that we don't have to go out. We don't have to go find anybody. <laughs> we don't have to take a pill. We don't have to fill a prescription. We can change how we're feeling. And that, of course, changes our behavior and our responses and all the rest of it down the line. But it starts with us. And this is something that's so simple for us to be able to just bring into our daily life right now on this phone call and to create impact in our home. Oh my gosh, this is so interesting and timely. I feel like everyone listening probably just started taking deeper breaths. <laughs> I'm going to take a deeper breath. I'm going to slow it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and I just want to say, I mean, I'll just do a little short exercise if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So just if everybody on this, you know, podcast just takes a minute to just tune in and literally take a breath. And I'll just do a short count that you can listen to. And then you can see if it's made a difference to how you're experiencing yourself. So relaxing. And if your shoulders are all clenched up around your ears, just letting them drop down, taking that deep breath in and release. And then follow my count, breathing in to three, four, hold, two, three, four, release, two, three, four, five, six, hold, two. And if you just come back here, experience your experience and sense if that just made a difference to how you're being right now. I feel like people listening are going to want to rewind that and listen to it like 30 more times. <laughs> <laughs> and there's the beauty, right? I mean, just a little simple breathing yeah. in, holding, releasing, and a shift happens yeah. inside. We actually experience ourselves in the room with less angst, less reactivity, more spaciousness. I think right now the key to life is creating internal mm -hmm. space because externally there's not much we can do. You know, we're pretty much stuck in our homes and we can't manipulate the outside space that much, but we can do something about the internal space. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the key. <laughs> yes. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
And I think that's so powerful <laughs> because I think it's very easy right now to have a feeling that I can't control anything. Everything's out of my control and I don't know when that's going to change or when I will have any control back. And yeah. I can, you know, it's understandable that that would be a prevalent feeling or thought. But I also <laughs> think that the reality is, is that there are still a lot of things that we can control and we get to pick which of those thoughts we want to cultivate <laughs> and hold on to. And in the end, I mean, it, depending on how old you are and how much you've been, you know, doing the life thing, at some point you realize, actually, there is not that much I control other than my response. Yes. That's kind of the only, the whole game. <laughs> the whole game is recognizing that the outer world is going to keep doing its thing. And to a certain extent, I can impact what's coming down the road, but pretty much it's all out of my hands. The COVID thing, I mean, whatever, it's all out of my hands. And I get to just be experiencing it and having some, if you want to talk control, I have the choice. I like to call it choice. I have the choice about how I'm going to be in it. Mm, I love that. And that has to do with how I'm managing my own nervous system, how I'm supporting my nervous system, how therefore I get to regulate my emotions on the basis of the fact that my nervous system is being nurtured. Everything, you know, has such an inner relationship to everything else. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. So good. Okay, I want you to tell us, I want to dig into the conscious parenting revolution. And I know that for you, this started being raised in unconscious parenting. Totally. Can you talk about what that looks like for you? What does it mean to be raised in circumstances with unconscious parenting? What did that look like for you? Yeah, you know, I'm going to say when I was being raised by unconscious parents, I didn't realize it. Nobody really knows that, right? As young children, we just are all doing the best we can, including our parents. And it wasn't until really, you know, just the journey of my life, trying to make sense of the feelings inside and the, you know, the torture to a certain extent of trying to please other people or be in, let's say, in a way, the game is set up for us if we have been raised in an environment where we're made to feel that we make other people feel. So if we're raised in an environment where it's sort of like we've been duped into believing that someone else's happiness is determined by what I do, and then you try to, you know, twist yourself into pretzels, making other people happy. And no matter what you do, somehow that can't happen because ultimately only that person can choose to be happy or not. No one else is responsible for anyone else's feelings. That's a revelation because the words that most of us have grown up in and often we hear in society at large are when you did that, you made me feel. Mm -hmm. So whenever that construct comes up, <laughs> when you did that, I feel such and such. It's like, oh my gosh, am I responsible for all these people's feelings? I mean, really, do I have that much power? Of course not. No. But until we emerge from the land of unconsciousness, into the land of awareness and awakening, do we realize that, oh my goodness gracious, we are the catalyst, but not the cause of other people's feelings. And this external world and the relationship and dynamic that it has on my internal environment is so very individual. So there's so much awareness, of course, that comes once we begin to emerge and awaken to some of the truths. And so, yeah, living in families where these sorts of lies are told is incredibly painful. And awakening to the truth of no one makes me feel and no one has the power to change my mind. And therefore, I don't make my children feel and I can't make them change their mind or their behavior. They can choose to. So this is an extremely big dynamic around, you know, what we think makes people change their behavior. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is so I feel like this is so interesting because this is very eye opening and also so relevant. right? Now. Yeah, it really especially is. as we mentioned before, like when you're feeling really out of control. And I think when we're feeling out of control around like really big things, 
I do have a sense for myself and for other parents, especially with younger kids, that we feel like, okay, what I can control and manage and micromanage is like these little things in the household that can like, maybe that will bring me some peace or ease or whatever. So this Mm -hmm. is eye opening Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. (laughs) I love we are the catalyst, not the cause. Like that's totally super impactful. Yeah, but that is, and to really live into that and know the reality of that, because, you know, I mean, I would talk to my kids about whenever they would say, you know, so-and-so made me so mad. I'd be like, let's think that through. You know, let's really unpack that. You know, what's going on in you that makes you think someone else is making you feel, you know, that they have that remote control over your feeling realm. And I mean, we just unpacked it and unpacked it and unpacked it until I would hear my kids with their friends over having the same conversation, you know, like sitting at the kitchen table, like really thrashing it out because the concept of other people don't make me feel is so foreign and the blame is so entrenched Mm -hmm. to really get on the other side of it. I believe takes this kind of like conversation happening day in, day out with your kids. And then you're going to hear them having it with their friends. And this is how we crack through that level of unconsciousness. So, you know, yeah, I mean, I feel like I grew up with unconscious parenting, to be honest, I don't think anybody really grew up with conscious parents. Yeah. And so when we're talking about the conscious parenting revolution, how do we start How do we start? Which Yeah, I'm like, what's the first step? Yeah. Yeah. Like, where do we start developing family systems um, around this? Well, you know, the first thing I teach people is stop using rewards and punishments. Mm, And so you had this in our notes when we were in the prep for this episode. And I was so curious about this because I know everyone's like, but wait, I know. (laughs) And I've done some early childhood stuff. And so I know some of the conflicting, like some of, you know, I know there's definitely different schools of thought on this. I'm very excited to hear yours. So I'll go ahead and let you share. Absolutely. And for sure, there are different perspectives. And, you know, I was literally on a coaching call this morning with a group that I'm working with and they're all moms and dads with, you know, this is like really hot for everybody, you know, because there's no parent out there that doesn't want to do their best job. And so then it really is a choice. And so all I can do is give people some information to support their being informed about their choice. And, you know, the research is really well established. Dr. Thomas Gordon, in his research, was able to articulate that when you use power over an authoritarian approach to discipline, a controlling form of discipline, you activate retaliation, rebellion, and resistance, the three R's. Then Dr. Louise Porter in her research in Children Are People Too said, not only is Gordon right about that, but what I found from my research is that once you've activated the three R's, they take up 75% of your time. So when we use a controlling form of discipline, we activate the three R's, and then we spend all of our time dealing with that, which is what we would call the secondary problems. We're no longer even dealing with the primary issues, which were, you know, get your toys picked up or, you know, help me with this, that or the other thing or you know, whatever those primary issues are, they get lost and unaddressed when we start using power over tactics that link. If you don't, then this is what's going to happen to you. Those kind of consequences. Now, we have belongers and autonomous personalities and qualities within all of us do. And we have children who have this also. And autonomous qualities in a child are very, very difficult for most parents to manage because there are some fundamental beliefs about children that they're supposed to do what they're told or be obedient, compliant. And so when you have a highly autonomous child who's extremely self-directed, there's going to be more no's to you than you would like. And then the response to the no could become like little wars are now going on in that household. Lines are being drawn and pushback is happening everywhere. So I think essentially, you know, if that's happening to anybody out there, then I would say you probably are coming up against a highly autonomous child. Some of these kids are called ODD, oppositional defiant. And whenever I hear ODD as a diagnosis, I'm like, "Mm, I wonder if you just have a highly autonomous child whose needs for autonomy are being trampled over because they're being perceived as disrespectful. As a, and so the labeling and the judgment then gets in the way, of course, of connection. All of these things get in the way of connection. So 
if I give you a different paradigm, the paradigm is that behavior is a reflection of whether someone's needs are being met. And you can see when needs are met, how that shows up in behavior, you know, do, 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 everything's kind of great. And you can see, oh, little guy's needs are met. Isn't that great? Maybe I hadn't thought of it that way, but you can see the behavior reflects that there's a lot of harmony in the child. And when the child is thrashing around and swinging from the chandelier, I like to say, you could call that the tragic expression of unmet needs. Mm. And if you look at it as the tragic expression of unmet needs, then it's not good behavior, bad behavior language any longer. It's a behavior that reveals something about their internal world. And so a behavioralist that uses rewards and punishments wants to manage how when someone's needs aren't being met, they produce behaviors. What are those behaviors looking like? Are they polite or impolite? Are they socially acceptable or not socially acceptable? And from the guidance approach perspective, my perspective, I don't care. Sure, it'd be great if people could learn how to drown politely. I mean, of course, that'd be wonderful. But I expect that to be extremely hard to coach for good drowning behaviors. So rather than listen to the words people say and coach for good drowning behaviors, I know the fastest way to change those external behaviors are to deal with the underlying unmet needs. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, you're using the term, is it drowning behaviors like D-R-O-W-N? Can you explain that? Yeah. I want to make sure I'm hearing it right and make sure that everyone understands. So can you explain what you mean by that? Sure. So, you know, when I say swinging from the chandelier or drowning mm-hmm. behaviors, what mm-hmm. I mean is that when people are unable to manage their internal feelings inside, the way they're behaving, it's like they're drowning. They're drowning in the emotions. This is not the time for swimming lessons, by the way. This is the time to apply CPR, get the lifeguard, pull them out, support them, help them regulate their emotions by holding them, soothing them, connecting with them, understanding the world from their eyes, connecting with them by being able to say back to them what you're guessing is their perspective of the world at that moment. Right. So this is a very different approach than criticizing them or, you know, punishing them for not being able to do all of that work internally. Or trying to reward them. I'm imagining, like trying to talk them out of drowning (laughs) by rewarding them. Like if you can just stop crying, then I'll give you this thing. Or if you can just stop this certain behavior or a certain thing or for two days in a row or for, you know, whatever the thing is. But yeah, rather than looking at what need is not being met. Precisely. And, you know, I think that some children learn mom, dad can only accept me if I'm always the good girl or the good boy. If I only ever show them the face that they want to see, that was certainly part of the unconscious parenting environment I grew up in was that the only face that was really acceptable was the happy face. So it really didn't matter if there was, you know, like a ton of unhappy inside, just don't show it. Mm -hmm. Just don't show it. And so when you get that disconnected from yourself, you're trained, (laughs) you grew up in an environment that trains you not to show how you're feeling inside, because somehow my showing how I'm feeling inside hurts someone else. And now we're back to the original lie that I make other people feel. So this separation and individuation is what I love to call us, right? This is the Alice Miller part of my life who changed my perspective. If you're not familiar with her, I would go get everything she ever wrote and just start, you know, yummy, yummy, yummy. So Alice Miller understood that parents who had been cathect their young. And what does it mean to be cathected? To be cathected is, and I, by the way, one of my TED Talks is about this very subject. We will link to your TED Talks in the show notes for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to really go for a deep dive in this, but, you know, the quick sort of comment is that when your needs to be seen and acknowledged from your perspective were not met as a child, where you weren't mirrored, where the parent wasn't able to say back to you, hey, seems like you're really upset. That doesn't happen. Instead, what the child hears is, you behave, stop it, stop it right now. So it's like there's this great big divide about the parent focusing on their experience of the child's drowning instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, my child's drowning. Mm -hmm. I I need to support them. So it's that 
understanding within yourself of, oh my goodness, of course it's not fun to have someone thrashing around in the middle of the grocery store or saying things in loud voices or, you know, arguing with me or whatever it may be. Yes, of course not. And it's not about you. It's actually about them. It's about them revealing that they're struggling to hear your no, maybe that's it. And so connecting with them around that, hey, I can see this is really hard for you. Hearing my no is really upsetting you. Yes, it's upsetting. I get it. It's so hard not to have control over access to things that you'd like to buy and that you're dependent on me. Yes. You know, I mean, now you're just connecting with what's going on for them and supporting them. You're not necessarily changing your mind, although it may end up with you being more interested to also hear their side. I mean, that's the beauty of powerful communication is that it's deeply hearing the other person's perspective, not just Mm -hmm. trying to get them to stop having it. Right, right, right. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. It would be easier if we could just have them make them stop having him. <laughs> but yeah, that doesn't lead to any greater good in any relationship. Yeah, you know, I mean, I talk about using a remote control and that's what I think of as rewards and punishments. It's like using a remote control. Like if I imagine I can just give this or take this away, I'll push that button that it will evoke out of the other a change just like they're a television set. I should be able to change the channel and get them to move to a different channel by pushing this button. But we don't have children that are appliances that we can just push buttons and get different channels. And if we push buttons and get different channels, then I would really want to ponder what the underlying dynamic is and why you're getting the change you're getting. Marshall Rosenberg said, to really assess the limitations of punishment, we have to ask two questions, not just one. One is do I want a change in behavior? Am I getting the change in behavior? Okay, I'm getting the change. Two is why am I getting the change? Is it coming from within them that they've understood my side and they're doing it out of consideration for me? Or are they doing it because they're afraid of me? Usually it's the latter. So then we get back to what do you wanna be as the cornerstone of your dynamic and relationship around change, right? I mean, there's all this work around change management you know, if you want to go into the corporate world. So what creates changes in organisms and then systems? Well, same thing in families. I think everyone really wants to have harmony and ease, support, and a sense of intrinsically motivated children who are coming from within their heart to contribute and make, you know, whatever their contribution is going to be that day from their heart. 
when we use rewards and punishments, we get in the way of what is a normal, natural need to contribute. We complicate it. That makes a lot of sense. This episode is supported by my very own Construct Your Core Values workshop, which is coming up in two days, and today is the last day to sign up. If you're listening in live time, it is Monday, August 24th. I do not want you to miss out, so make sure you hop over to shamelessmom.com values to get your spot. In this virtual workshop, you will be able to create, define, and align your personal core values so they become guiding principles in your daily life. This is a really, really powerful activity that is going to help you create core values that will become a filter through which you can make decisions. It will become more clear to you what you want to say yes to, what you want to say no to, and you will be able to make decisions with a tremendous amount of ease and peace and confidence and power. And this makes all the difference. If you are feeling heavy and overwhelmed and exhausted and so conflicted over the constant decision-making as we shift and pivot every freaking day in this pandemic and in this current state of our world, this activity, this workshop, and collaborating with other shameless moms during the workshop is going to be so, so helpful and so supportive of your process of learning to use your core values to make decisions more easily. So again, if you are looking for that ease and peace and confidence and power in decision-making to have more clarity around who you are, what you stand for, who you are becoming, this is for you. Go to shamelessmom.com values to get signed up. I want to see you there. I cannot wait. Go to shamelessmom.com values and I'll see you on Wednesday the 26th. So if we are kind of waking up to like, oh, holy cow, I've been using <laughs> rewards and punishments and now and I've been trying to just get obedience and compliance and I've done it all wrong. Like what are some next steps? What are some things? How do we start to make a shift and create space for, I mean, I think a lot of it sounds like having conversations in new ways. Yeah, I think you've got it. I mean, it really is about you have a default operating system. We all have a default operating system. And we, you know, to a certain degree, it was created within us before we had differentiated consciousness, right? So sort of zero to five in undifferentiated consciousness land. That's where a lot of our fundamental default system is actually implanted. And as we go through into the older years of our life, we also begin to get ideas about, again, not really consciously, there are all these spells that we're under about what gives us more ease in our family system. And everybody responds to family systems differently. Like I really was always the pleaser. I really wanted to make my mom and dad happy. And so I became the overachiever. And this is where competence and worth often, unfortunately, get linked. And it's one of the things when I talk about self-esteem, I really like to highlight that self-esteem is my experience of whether I'm happy with me. And it's not about what other people think, but because our external locus of causality, the rewards, the punishments, you know, all of it is so endemic, we get lost in actually what other people think of us is how I feel about myself. If they're happy with me, I'm happy with me. If they're not, I'm you know, it turns into this whole thing about, it's not really about self-esteem, it's about what other people think of me. And then it all gets mixed up in competence. And there seems to be, you know, I'm going to say relatively unconsciously, people have linked how they feel about their children to whether their children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And even in some cases, whether they're good at something, whether it's mathematics or spelling or a sport there is a level of pride or disappointment and it becomes confusing to a child that, oh, mommy, daddy aren't happy with me if I'm not really the star or really good at something. And then it becomes shame and worthlessness and worth and competence should never be linked. Our self-worth is a God-given right. I get to be born and feel worthy whether I'm good at this or bad at this. And it shouldn't affect my self-worth. And low self-esteem and high self-esteem and that whole world of self-esteem, I mean, we don't have enough time for me to go into it, but how we are parenting and connecting that environment in our family to whether kids are good or bad and how we feel and what we're doing and managing their behavior. Oh my gosh, it's a whole big thing out there. Yeah. And I also think a lot of this comes from doing what 
we've seen and what we've seen is how we grew up and like our own experiences. I mean, that's like our closest connection to how to parent is how we were parented. And I think some people have a really strong level of conscientiousness around how they were parented to be able to identify like, oh, I definitely want to do things differently. But I think for many of us, we're like, we just feel like we had like, you know, a typical common parenting experience. And so we're like, we're just going to move on and also be typical common parents ourselves. Yeah. So can you talk about how we were parented and how we can have, you know, more conscientiousness around that in terms of looking at the way we parent and then also unaddressed trauma in our families? I'm very interested in transgenerational trauma and what we consciously know and what we don't know, and then also how that affects parenting. Mm. Kind of a big question, but (laughs) it's a really big question. I know you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you know, I remember, I'm just going to see what pops out of my mouth, but I remember I would go home from Hong Kong. I would go home, home was in Colorado and I would bring my whole course with me every single summer. And I would say to my mother, Hey mom, you know, why don't we go through this together? I think that our communication could be healthier, stronger, better, and it would deepen our relationship and connection. And it would be more authentic and more revealing. And she said, there's nothing wrong with my communication. Mm. (laughs) And I finally got to a place where I stopped trying to change my mother. And I loved her just the way she was. And I recognized that here we are. This is it. And I get to stop trying to change her to have the interest that I had in understanding what had been hard for me didn't necessarily mean that she was willing to change it. And so I think that's part of, you know, when we look at transgenerational trauma and what had, you know, been my mother's story and her mother's story and the stories and the stories and the stories, they get passed down from generation to generation until we're willing, somebody's willing to say enough is enough. Just because it was what the way that they experienced the silence around difficult topics or the not speaking up around things that were upsetting to others, I learned, and I would say this is a version of transgenerational trauma, I learned not to speak up around anything that would upset other people around me. And so it's part of that whole thing about, you know, other people make you feel. So what I learned, you know, and of course, I guess, like all of us, you know, our lives kind of craft what we end up doing, right? So for me, it was unlocking the mysteries of what was going on in my internal world that were so upsetting that I could begin to put a context around my life. And this whole thing about not speaking up if it upset other people, because that's the messaging is that if I spoke up and mom were upset or dad got upset, that I was the reason for their upset. So I learned not to speak up. And though another one of my TED Talks is on this very topic where, you know, what does it mean to be silenced? And, you know, how did my little one woman journey from being silenced to speaking up and the ways in which it was dangerous for me to have forgotten my inner voice and, you know, the experiences I got to have as a result of being trained not to speak up. Because once you train people not to speak up, and they become disconnected from their inner voice, their intuition can be screaming at them and they'll continue to dismiss it, to dismiss it, to dismiss it because they learned in their family of origin, actually to stay safe in this family, I dismiss myself. Mm-hmm. I also, this is part of a bigger conversation and I know we're getting close to the end of our time, <laughs> but I can't not say that I also think that this is how women are conditioned. So there's like the family of origin piece of it And then there's also like women traditionally are not encouraged to speak up. They're not encouraged to like, if you have a strong opinion, you should definitely get up and say that in front of all the dudes around the table. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I think it's like, it's multi-layered for sure. It's a family thing, but it's also very much reinforced by society. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I just want to shout out to Milk. Are you familiar with Milk? No. M-I-L-C-K. And last summer, actually a week, this particular week for me is very poignant because a year ago last summer during this week, I was 
putting on the National Mental Health and Mental Fitness event in Denver, Colorado, which resulted in, it was a multi-day event, hundreds of people that was inspired when my daughter started at USC there was a notice that came to my cell phone that there was a suspected shooter on campus. And I was horrified as I searched for my daughter for three hours while there was a blackout in LA. And as a mom, you know, of course, it's like your heart stops for the entire time that you can't reach your darling child. And, you know, you just stop breathing. And when it finally was over, it was a false alarm. And I was like, you know, left with that experience of, wow, you know, what happened to my country while I was away for the last 30 years? And how is this the new normal? Because I found other people responding to it like, oh, yeah, one more, you know, mass shooting. And I was like, what? This isn't the country I grew up in. This can't become normalized. And it inspired me to reach out and say this has to become a conversation with, you know, business community and policymakers and educators and mental health professionals and families and We need to create forums where everybody leaves their, whatever their particular world is kind of behind to come together as a community and say, yeah, we've got to change the ecosystem. So that was the event last summer. I actually came to to USC and said, I want to bring this here. Will you work with me? And they said, yes, let's do it together. So our plan was to be doing that now. And obviously the world, I didn't know between last summer and this summer and the things that were going to unfold, right? It was not in the cards. And yet here we are. So I bring it up because as I was meditating on, you know, who, because we did this beautiful event in the park and who do I resonate with? Who is the right person that would be the perfect performer for my stage? And I remembered Milk. And she was the voice of the women's movement. And she's the one who sang, you can't keep me quiet anymore. And it went viral. And so I would just send all of you to look her up and listen to that song because it really is, as you say, it's way beyond our family cultures, but our family cultures, of course, are within the societal norms. And, you know, we as women are finding our voice. And we are deciding, you know, the Me Too movement and I mean, just all of it. And there is an awakening that we get to honor ourselves and we get to tune into our inner voices and we get to speak from that place because that part of us, I want to call that the sacred part inside of us, it will always guide us and not allowing, I mean, and I say this understanding that there are family systems where it is safer for you not to speak up and That's also important to understand that speaking up could cost you, you know, depending on the system, the family system and the danger in the family system, it could cost you your life. So, you know, we have to know and we have to be also cognizant that, yes, there's also something keeping us safe when we don't speak up because we know that the price we'll pay for speaking up is huge. And so we need to create the conditions in which we can leave any unsafe family system So we can speak our voice and we need to support each other, not just as women, but as human beings to create the conditions in which everyone's voice matters. And that's where I circle back to children or people too. And obviously it's a personal mission for me that we create the conditions that we begin to look at our children as having a perspective and their no to you is a yes to something inside of themselves. And we can shift the conversation if we shift to wondering about what that is in them and connecting with that before we get into trying to change their behavior and turn their no into a yes. Marshall Rosenberg said, unless your children learn, they can say no to you then they can't say yes to you. And so we need them to know they can say no to us so that their no's and their yeses are authentic and that both are coming from their heart. One is not being, they're not just saying yes because they know you can't handle their no. Oh my goodness. So good. Okay. I feel like we all have had a million ahas listening to this. I know I've definitely (laughs) had a few and I'm sure my listeners have as well. I'm so grateful for our time together. Can you tell people how you work with families and moms um, and where they can connect with you and get all the goodies? Totally. So ConsciousParentingRevolution.com is my website. 
And I know it'll be in your show notes as well. Yes, we'll put everything in the show notes for sure. And I have, I work, I do group work and I'm doing it online. So it's the Conscious Parenting Revolution's 90-Day Parenting Reset. And I'm in a 90-day right now. And then I start another one on September 28th. And I'll offer, of course, a discount to your community. So Podcast 20 will be in your show notes so people can actually get the discount. And it's a 90-day reset where, you know, we're talking about how do I change that default system? Well, this is how. I don't actually think doing it in isolation is even possible, frankly, because it's such a big, like we're turning the Titanic from one sort of underlying approach to everything to a new one. And as you said, we've said, you know, society doesn't support this perspective. It's starting to. And how do we maneuver with an internal locus of causality rather than the external locus of causality. So, I mean, come join the revolution, get into my parenting reset program. And I've got tons of blogs. I've got a free ebook. And I would love to, you know, to take this community down the road. Oh my gosh, I love it. So we will have everything linked up in the show notes. We'll link to your, we have the um, seven strategies to keep your relationships with your kids from hitting the boiling point. So that's, I believe the ebook, we'll have that linked up. We'll have the course with the podcast 20 link or code linked up. And then you said that starts on September 28th. Is that right? It does. Yeah. Okay. We'll have that linked up and then where to find you on social media, get your website, all that good stuff. So if people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Catherine Winter Celery, then they can find all the goodies. So my last question for you is how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Thank you. I am, you know, it's so good. It's so relevant this week. I had a situation where I could experience myself going into the shame channel and I was able to apply, you know, it's always great when the shoemaker gets to apply their own skill sets, the skill of self-empathy and being with that part of me that was regretting how I handled a situation and being with it, not losing my identity in it, and being able to have the space to be with the part. So, you know, the beauty of this practice is that it therefore acknowledges what's present. It's with it. And it's therefore not denying it or pretending it's not there or pushing it in a corner. You know, we know from Brene Brown's work that the one thing shame can't handle is the light. And so it allows me to be with it, shine the light on it and have compassion for the part of me that's experiencing this. So I got to go through the whole thing and just be present to that there was something there. And I got to just be with that part of me. Oh my gosh, thank you for sharing that. Very relatable in these times, I think. Yeah. And gives us all permission to pay a little bit of attention to that as we feel the shame creeping in as it does. Yeah, I love this shameless mom thing. I just love it, Sarah. Thank you for being who you are. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for being here. This has been really amazing. I'm grateful for the time you've taken to share with us today and all of the knowledge. I know that this is going to be really helpful for our community. And so I just want to thank you so much. So great. I really appreciate you bringing this voice into your group. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Mamas, before I let you go, I got to make sure that you remember all the goodies from today. So lots of stuff to keep track of. And I don't want you to forget today is the last day to sign up for Construct Your Core Values, my upcoming workshop, which is on Wednesday of this week. Today's the last day to sign up and I don't want you to miss out. So right now, pop on over to shamelessmom.com slash values to get signed up for the Construct Your Core Values workshop. And then also Catherine has her new Conscious Parenting Revolution group starting in September as well. And I don't want you to miss that. And she has a generous discount for our listeners. So if you go to consciousparentingrevolution.com slash courses slash ebook and use the code podcast 20, you'll get a discount over there. I will have all that linked up in the show notes. So if you go to shamelessmom.com, click on episode 469, it's all right there for you. I want you to take advantage of all the goodies from today. I can't wait to see you in my workshop. I hope you also check out Catherine's workshop. So many good things coming your way, right? Thanks for joining us. Go check out the goodies and we'll see you soon.
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.